Hey guys, Elliot Graber here, host of the Artist Journey Podcast. In today's episode, we're meeting with experiential marketing manager, social media influencer, and actor, Justin Jones. Justin's going to tell us all about his experience working in the entertainment industry professionally in markets such as Los Angeles, Chicago, and the Twin Cities. And if you don't end up crying or laughing during this episode, we will send you a free case of Modelo beer. It was the neighbors next door. That was their band. Turntable Tuscal. I had to learn how to play the bass guitar in order to become a official member of Turntable Testicle. <laughs> Tell me more. Well, for my to my benefit, I've got such a short bandwidth of focus. I never I never mastered the bass guitar. <laughs> I, I did it for a year. I gave up after two like years, five yeah. minutes yeah, of yeah. trying to... I took some mega hits of bass guitar and then I just gave up on it because I, I found myself kind of leading a dark path in life. <laughs> Do you put that in your special skills yeah. on the resume? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, two years of bass guitar. Leading a dark path? As, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, he traveled a dark path. <laughs> what he is it like? To... It's a verb. That's my choice verb. It's my favorite thing to do. I love traveling down dark corridors. <laughs> he went to the bass side. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, is that a bay window? That would look so good with floral drapes. I don't even know what that means. Oh, anything to lighten up. Anything to light, lighten the darkness during this terrible time we're in. Oh, I want to lighten your darkness up with some doilies. <laughs> good to see Cheers, you, man. man. Cheers. Good to see you. Oh, man. Uh, friends, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, my name is Elliot Graber, and today I am with the one and only... Hello, everyone. Justin Jones. That's me. I'm going to take off the uh, neck coaster. Yeah, take off the, yeah. the neck coaster. That's mostly f- so it looks good. Yeah, looks it looks cool really on super, looks cool on super you, professional. Yeah like, uh, yeah, like we know what we're doing over here with the... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, can you hear yourself? Yeah, I, I, I can can't hear my, yeah. feel anything. I've gone, <laughs> I've gone numb. I've gone blank. I've gone blank and numb. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, dude. Dude, thanks, thanks so much for, for having me yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, so good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. So, as you know, and uh, for those of you who are just joining with us, um, Justin is a man of many talents. He is an uh, actor. Uh, you've done some production work as I've well. I've done some, yeah, some producing, some acting, some location scouting, some craft service, a little bit of everything, a little bit of set design, a little bit of wardrobe. <laughs> I was, a, I was a tour manager for, oh man, years. I have 15 years of experiential marketing, so yeah. lots of road stories. Yeah. You know, putting up big events for big, you know, big brands and big consumer product companies. And Well, you and yeah. I did. You invited me along that one time we went to. Oh, that's right. Was it Branson or Bron- we were, uh, no, we were the Ozarks? We were in Lake of the Ozarks Lake of down the in Missouri. Ozarks. That's and right, yeah. uh, <laughs> I had a client that I'd worked with for a few years, youth soccer, U.S. youth soccer, and then Kohl's, department stores. And we went down and we had a big inflatable village that we set up and we had this amazing road trip. And it was a lot of fun. And that's really, that's when we, I think the like light went off and yeah. we both looked at each other and we're like, oh, I was, he's mad, I'm mad, we're both mad, we're both a little crazy. We're both a little wild. We're both a little wild a little and wild. it just worked. And we're both Sagittariuses, <laughs> so I think the, the banter on the road trip, I knew that that you were one of my uh, forevers, forever friends is what you know. You just kind of like <laughs> it works. BFFFFs. Yeah. BFFFs. Forever. You're my Biffy. Forever. Yeah. Biffy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
We're not going to make it through this podcast. Yeah. I just know. <laughs> I'd like to drop a load off in your honey bucket. <laughs> Say, you can be what? my honey bucket right here. This is Biffy, my Biffy. My favorite Biffy. <laughs> this is my Biffy Biff. <laughs> this is my Biffy Biff. <laughs> Elliot Graver. No. So, anyway, no, this that, is cool. That, I, I love what you're doing with the... The podcast. Oh, thanks, man. You know, showcasing yeah. people's stories because everybody's yeah. got a story. Well, sure. Yeah. And I, like you were saying, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, I have a, a fellow Sagittarian in my world mm-hmm. because, um, well, I just had my you birthday You just celebrated your birthday. And your birthday's coming up. Yeah, my birthday's on Monday, the 14th. So That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let's jump into it, Justin. Yeah, let's just get into it. I just want to get into your world and uh, yeah. invite people into yours. So... Okay, so when you started um, here in the Twin Cities yeah. as a as a professional industry right. entertainer, yeah, um, how did you go about it? Like, what was your experience getting into the market? So it's a really it's a fun, cute story that predates social media, and was more in kind of in the infant not the infancy of the internet, but you know just just past the beginning of the millennium. So yeah. it's like two thousand. Yeah. Well, just imagine two thousand two, two thousand three. I had just dropped out of college. I'm at my parents' house. I'm living in the basement. And uh, I was working for a, a oh, was I working for a landscape company? You know, I was installing sprinklers. So I was a, you know, what did I call myself? Like a, I was an irrigation specialist or if I'd be, you know, I was 21, 22. So I'd go out to the bar and if I met somebody, I'd be like, well, I'm all... I'm an aquaneer. And they're like, what's that? I'm like, I work with water. I'm an engineer. I work with water and I divert the water and I I installed sprinklers. I installed sprinkler <laughs> systems. So I did that for a little while. And while I was doing that, um, living in my parents' basement, I had always had a, a thing for the arts. I, you know, did a little bit of theater in high school, went on to college, did a couple of years of just, you know, twiddling my thumbs, not really knowing what I wanted to do at school, kind of just dicking around and having a good time. I mean, I... I could say I, you know, went to school for, you know, socializing. I got a master master's in the social arts. Hmm. Um, <laughs> two years of having a good time at Iowa State University. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Turns out they don't have Spent jobs for this money. shit. <laughs> Didn't get a certificate for it, but I can tell you it, it did in fact happen. <laughs> so I was cool. on, I remember going on like maybe Yahoo or something. And I was like, how to become an actor? Yeah. You know, like how to get on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. I typed something like that, and I came across, uh, I don't even know if they're still around, but uh, well, one of the agencies in town, Karen, uh, Karen yeah. Models, yeah. Karen Model and Talent, they had a like a sister company that was like an institute for acting and modeling and all this. And so I found an advertisement, and it was like, you know, wasn't quite as, as hokey as, you know, like John Robert Powers or John Casablanca, you know, come get famous at the, you know, Courtyard Marriott, down off the highway on the corner of the street. Meet us at Bakewood Hall 148. <laughs> yeah. We're going to make you a star. We've got the casting directors from, you know, these shows. N- nothing quite like that, but huh. it was yeah. at this advertisement thing. And I remember uh, they wanted it like an essay or something. Like I wrote this essay, why I want to be an actor and yada, yada, yada. And you get, you'd get like free classes or something like that. And so, yeah. um, huh. I, I've, I've, you know, consumed a decent amount of alcohol over the years, so my memory is <laughs> a little faint, but I do recall getting a phone call. So I was at the Mall of America. I had submitted this essay. Two days later, I get a phone call, and I'm outside of J. Crew at the Mall of America, and, and this gal, Shauna Vadaland, 
and she goes by a different name now. She's married now, but back, this is way back in the day. She was an agent at this institute. You know, it was the Academy for Film and Television. Yeah, you yeah. remember them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, it was great. And I remember getting this phone call, and I thought like it was Hollywood on the other line. Yeah. And this was like, my. I was like, oh my god, I did it! I am. I, in I broke through. Like I haven't done anything at this point. <laughs> like I haven't even gone to an audition. And in my mind, I'm like, just became Brad Pitt. Just became a big deal. What's up? What's up, everybody? <laughs> like nothing, you know. It's just, you know, we're, they might give me permission to take a class or two. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I ended up getting a like a scholarship, you know, a few classes that I ended up taking. That's really where it all kind of started. And then hmm. through that, um, just kind of hustled my way, and you know, through a, just kind of a couple of choice encounters through acting classes and whatnot. You know, it is in the industry. One thing kind of leads to another, you know. One conversation leads to another conversation, which leads to an introduction. Hmm. And then once you kind of get the basis of how the, the industry works, um, you know, you get with an agent, which hmm. I... It took me a good year of classes and whatnot to finally fall into an agency. And I got with Karen's. Thankfully, after completing the classes, they chose to represent me, and I had a good relationship with them for years. And then joined some, uh, you know, uh, partnered up with the other agents in town. And, and hmm. yeah, it was really the beginning, though, was like I had no flipping idea what I was doing. Yeah. I didn't, you yeah. know, I like I had a monologue from Boiler Room for like a hot second, and then I just realized you really didn't need a monologue doing commercial and film work. Sure. Sure. And so then I dropped that. And then when I wanted to start doing theater, there was that pressure like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, oh, I have this boiler room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it seems like you have, you're so, um, well, at least I got to know you when you, when you were really uh, involved in the commercial and industrial yeah. Um, side and now I know you also do right. the theater thing and and uh, indie film as well. Indie film, yeah, theater. Not, I mean, I've I've dabbled in it. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those things that I mean, I would I would strongly consider it if the right opportunity came about. Uh, but the film and the commercial work definitely when we met was when it all started to come together. So in the beginning, I was kind of just with naivety going to these castings and like I remember going to Chicago for a callback for an American Express commercial yeah yeah. and I had no idea why I was there I'm like oh like I just did it like in my mind I had imposter syndrome and it's like the very thing I wanted I didn't think I was good enough for but like I thought I was good enough for so there I am and I'm like I shouldn't be here but I really should but I shouldn't be here right now really I, I shouldn't <laughs> but I am here and I'm probably better than you but I suck and I probably shouldn't be here right now. It was this weird. I remember seeing all these versions of me in this this room, and that was my first kind of big um, holy crap moment. But I didn't really understand. Like I just remembered hopping on a plane. It was all in the same day, and I don't even know if that happens anymore. Like you yeah. know, coming to Chicago for a callback. I was in Chicago for four hours. Right. Yeah. I spent more time on the plane and getting to and to from, and from than I was there for like five minutes. Yeah. And yeah. then it was. Uh, that was that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it, and I took this long break from commercial acting after having a couple of little, you know, I wouldn't even say like hits, you know, I, I had some kind of success out of the gate with some things. Yeah. And then I just kind of leaned into experiential marketing, doing the promotional mm -hmm. marketing stuff mm -hmm. and events because it was just instant gratification and you could just book work and, you know, mm -hmm. you weren't like 
you know, waiting around seeing if you're the right fit for something. People would just go, okay, you uh, have a pulse. You can think critically. <laughs> you are, you have a good head on your shoulders. You, you know, kind of are funny, sort of. And uh, you're not rude. We'd love to hire you. Here, you're not stumbling in drunk. So right. You're not stumbling in drunk. You're already That's above good. the curb. Right. Right. And you don't smell like feces. We would love to work with you. And so, yeah, I took this huge gap, you know, of, you know, a few years. I was still going on castings and whatnot, but I just wasn't booking anything because I wasn't in. And then I moved out to L.A., moved back from L.A., and that's when I just said I'm going all in in this market. Because if you can master your market, you really, I think that's the best shot you have at going into a bigger market and really, you know, making some making some waves. Yeah, yeah. that's a great point to make, man. I really yeah. appreciate that because... Um, that's kind of been my journey too. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, I, I don't know how we never met earlier because I moved to the Twin Cities out yeah. of college probably yeah. around that same time. And, yeah. uh, and then I think we were even maybe out on the west side, on the west coast, generally in the same, you know, five, five yeah, or six we years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was living in... 2010. 2000. Yeah. When oh, were you out there? Oh, I was out there. Um, so no, actually, 2010. I would have. That's when I moved here. Okay. So then, by the time I went out there, it was 2012. Because right. I remember firing yeah, like when that. I was out there for you and telling everybody he's coming. They're yeah. like, "What's coming?" I'm like, "Somebody." And it was you. <laughs> Somebody. The whole time. Yeah, the whole I just, time yeah, I was promoting you the whole time I was out there. <laughs> like this isn't you. Whose headshot is this? <laughs> right. <laughs> He's coming. Okay. So yeah. what, what was your experience like being out there and learning those things that you realize now coming home to this market yeah. that, that if you could That's go good. back then and say, you know, Justin, I like have a ghost in the closet moment with yeah, myself. Yeah. Be yeah. like, you know, would you apply anything during your time or was it mostly you're, you're out there and you're just going by the seat of your pants, uh, figuring it out as you go sort of situation. Um, I think I would, I think I would go back to 2007. Like before, like a couple years before, and then explain to myself what watering the lawn means, yeah. you know, and yeah. just, you know, uh, actually like putting in the work. And um, I was, I've always been a fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy, just opportunity, 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 and just, you know, really um, just completely thrusting myself into the, the soup of spontaneity. Yeah. Right, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. It it in and I think when I got out to LA is when I was forced to kind of. I was still riding that spontaneity, but I was broke. I had money, like enough money to just get by every month. Like yeah. when you're in LA, like what you can live on here, and feel comfortable. Right. It you're 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 poor in LA. You know you're barely oh. making it, and yeah. so I had just enough money to get me by every month, and um. Yeah, just uh, yeah. It was I would I would say a couple years before helped me kind of focus and then uh, you know maybe just do things a little bit differently because I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants when I first got out there and then slowed down because I saw people mastering their craft. I saw people at another level and was mm -hmm. like, okay, hmm. I might be in just a little bit over my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the importance of like. You know, doing work in a kind of a mid-grade market like in the Minneapolis area here, mm -hmm. you know, you can really fine-tune uh, your your skill set, your tools, and and really kind of master the business side of things because there's more to it than just 
you know, delivering a really good monologue or delivering the script or, you know, whatever it is, whatever your craft is, uh, there is something about mastering all kind of surrounding aspects and all the pillars of it, which the business element is almost more important than the actual thing that you're doing. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. It's paramount. And I had no idea what that was when I was out there. So I just was taking a lot of random jobs and meeting people that were in the industry and hearing a lot of stories and seeing a lot of really sad people mm-hmm. and then also meeting really happy people and realizing that it was just all kind of a state of being in mind mm-hmm. when you're in LA. Yeah. Cause everybody's just fighting for scraps of meat. Yeah. Some people get a little more than others. And sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. you're not hungry cause you're overfed. And then sometimes, you know, you're just waiting for something to hit the floor. And, uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience. You're fed on the day where, where you show up on set and they have crafty. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And then you take some of the crafty and you're like, I'm just man, gonna... this is good. I got, I got snacks <laughs> for like a month here. Good thing I brought my suitcase. We'll just like, uh, put that in there. And, uh, was that guy even on camera? He just walked off with all the snacks. <laughs> You just show up on location. Right. Just with a wheelbarrow. I've been doing a lot of extra work. Okay. <laughs> extra work. Extra oh, work. yeah. Right. We've all been there. All right. I call it grocery shopping is when it is. <laughs> <laughs> show up with a lot of compartments and coolers and Pyrex. Some people just go into the industry simply for crap. For the food. On, on the, on for the, the extra shoot. You know, yeah. just so they're not Oh, you're going to pay me too? Oh, dude. I would have gone. I would have started I've got a that. place to be. i got a place to stay. I only have to be almost like... When I'm not on set. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm... Getting paid great. Part-time homeless. Yeah, part-time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I live in my car. So right. that's sort of res- residential. Yeah, sort of residential. You know. It, 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 but, you know, all serious, though, <laughs> like, it... Seeing all the different aspects of, like, how people live. You know, people... I mean, for the first time in my life, I was seeing, you know, multiple people living in rooms where you'd walk into mm. someone's apartment yeah, and it's parceled off in a way that you've never seen. You're like, oh, that really, to me, that showed me just how, like... Dire it can be. Diabolical yeah. L.A. is. <laughs> <It's, laughs> Holy crap. Like, y'all want to really make it here when you're living in, like, bunk beds on top of each other. Mm-hmm. I remember when I moved out to L.A., I got a... Um, I got a spot in, well, I had all these reward. I had the, you know, perks points with Intercontinental Hotel Group from being on the road. And I had just done this big tour for uh, Jell-O. It was called the Hello Jell-O Give It a Giggle Tour. And so I had done, uh, I was a media specialist. So I'd done morning show segments on like 23 affiliate uh, network, uh, affiliate network in different markets. Mm-hmm. And so it was like ABC, CBS, NBC. And we traveled around and it was this big, you know, PR tour and it was, uh, it was pretty cool. So anyway, um, I get this spot in Burbank and I had all these points from traveling around and I had done this big smoothie tour, traveling around the country for Smoothie King. So I had a lot of hotel points from a lot of nights on the road, a lot of lonely nights. And, uh, I stayed at, at the crown, the crown plaza at the, at the, at, uh, LAX. Yeah. And so I'm living in this hotel and I'm looking at apartments and I ended up getting this uh, this spot in Burbank. And I remember the guy's name was Jesse Ventura. What? And, and <laughs> no! He worked at Midas or something. He was, a, he was like a tire and brake guy. And I remember finding that on Craigslist and seeing like his name on the bottom of the email that said Jesse Ventura. And I'm like, well, to me, that's actually pretty significant. Former governor of the state of Minnesota. 
And uh, one heck of a model American, really. Great wrestler, great actor. Loved him in Predator. Uh, and so I, I end up getting into this, this, this apartment. And I, I thought it was an apartment share. And turns out there were, he had like two other people. So like it was a three-person situation and they just decided they didn't want to, you know, they wanted to like cheapen things a little bit. So yeah. then they rented me a room and then the three of them went oh. into the but like sharing the other room yeah and yeah I was like no 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 so i did that for a month huh. and i i luckily never had to live with everybody but it was about halfway through the month that he came clean and was like hey i gotta let you know something it's not just you and me here <laughs> i don't know if you've noticed but there's uh there's, right. a, there's five other there's a lot of stuff here <laughs> that isn't mine because there's two other people that live in the other bedroom with me you know it reminds me of um one time in Culver City, I was looking for for a place because I had to move right. out of a buddy's. Right. And so I was looking for just. And this I is going to be a four hour long podcast. Oh, it's okay. We can break it up into segments. <laughs> we'll take breaks in between. Yeah, what right. are we at right now? What do we got? Five days later. Yeah, five days later. Yeah. Twenty minutes. Yeah. Should we take a? We'll take a. a we'll, take, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back yeah. after this yeah. uh, short. What do you call those? Sponsor. Yeah, sponsor driven moments. Brought to you by. Brought to you by Modelo. Yeah. Justin Jones is a hysterical human being and a wonderful comedic actor. Most popular for his movies Christmas at the Chateau, Hometown Heritage, and Accidental Family. Justin is going to tell us a little bit more about his experience working with Jason Hudson and Company in St. Joe, Missouri. All right, that was Modelo, brought to you in part by (laughs) By Modelo. (laughs) That commercial Uh, break was brought to you by... Modelo. <laughs> um, I was gonna say with your your story about how uh, people in LA living on top living of each other of each and other. just really the, the uh, showcasing like the human spirit, like just yeah. how badly you want something, like what people are willing to do yeah. in order to get the thing that they want, but then seeing like just like it it the fruit is so high up. Yeah. And, but there's enough that hits the ground where it keeps people out there and they're like, oh, look at all these fresh little nibbles. You're like, no, the fresh little nibbles are up top. <laughs> right. That's right. fermented and rancid and you're probably going to die. Today's <laughs> eating all this low hanging fruit. <laughs> I'll never forget the time I was looking for a place in Culver yeah. City. Right. And I think it was like, I was looking because I had no money, so I was right. like looking for something that like three hundred yeah. to five hundred dollars oh, wow. just to live. Like oh, you barely really had was, no money. Oh, yeah. it was bad, dude. Right. It was so bad, and and I had been living out there for a, a two yeah. years or so, right. and I was like, I just ran out of money. You know yeah. how it is. It's yeah. like you're just trying to get to the next day, and I remember going into this uh, apartment complex, yeah. yeah, and they said, yeah, you'll have some roommates, but it was a room this like it was yeah. like this size, maybe a little, you know. And there were two or three, maybe four people in there. Wow. Bunk beds. And then the, just trash bags of shit. And there was shit everywhere. Yeah. You know, just like, and there was a dog. And I was like, what the fuck? What am I about to subscribe myself yeah. to? Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's like people who want to be out there because they want to get famous yeah. or whatever their thing is. Right. Like that they, I mean, you got to hand it to them. That's typically why people it's, that just last. It's, you know? I will just say this, like what I learned when I was out there is it can be a very fulfilling, rewarding journey yeah. if if your heart and head are in the right place. Right. But if you're just going out there to like make it or get 
famous, mm-hmm. uh, you're it's gonna suck the life out of you. And I had yeah. people that worked for me because I was I had a really interesting opportunity when I was out there. So when I first moved out, I had a contract with uh, a marketing agency down in Irvine. And then they had a contract with Nestle. So I was doing all this Nestle, these Nestle activations. Yeah. And I was at Nestle headquarters in Glendale, you know, on the reg. And then we were doing stuff at all the malls kind of in and around Southern California. Huh. And I would hire on, you know, Craigslist and Facebook and I would get actors. I mean, it was like 99.9% of the people that responded to the ads I would post looking for brand ambassadors and help were actors. Hmm. And so I was getting, I mean, people that I recognized yeah. from soap operas or TV or really? they did a TV thing or, yeah. was, you know, maybe they had like a three or four episode, you know, guest run on something, but it was like five, six years ago or like, hey, you were on Dawson's Creek <laughs> or something. You know, it was, it was, it was. <laughs> Not a lot of the time, but it did happen. There were a few occasions and, you know, we'd be like giving out, you know, candy bars, you know, wherever. And so I was getting all these these people that were in the industry, had been in the industry. And yeah, I mean, there were certain folks that you could just tell like it had just sucked the life out of them. Yeah. And they couldn't afford to go home and they were just super like, it just changed them. It kind of made them go a little rancid on the inside. Mm-hmm. People get stuck. Yeah, they get stuck out there. Yeah. I met a guy that was, he's like, yeah, I've been doing the extras <clears throat> casting thing right. for 20 yeah. plus years. Yeah. I came out here when I was in my teens and now I'm, uh, he's like 40, mm-hmm. he's probably you know, 20 to 40 mm-hmm. somewhere there. Um, but I'm like, Jesus. And I thought to myself, because right. I was like 20, yeah. 28 at the time, I thought, 20 years from now, 30, 48, do I want to be 48, right. 50, still doing right. extras casting? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, not that there's anything wrong. There's People nothing wrong with it. With it just, it's just you know. it's realizing the 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 true nature of what the industry is. Like yeah. there's there's the like one percent of the one percent are the people that we idolize and emulate and want to be like. Right. But the reality is, you got to really hustle your pants off, and you and if you're lucky, you might get to do it regularly. You might get to do it for a living. And mm-hmm. you know what is that living? Is it you make thirty thousand dollars a year, forty, fifty, sixty, a hundred? I mean, now it's a lot different because there's so many different avenues that you can take as a, as an artist, as a content creator, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, especially in the acting industry with, you know, indie film, VOD. I mean, you can, you know, you can make a movie on your phone for nothing. And if you know what you're doing and you can apply the post, you know, magic to it, you know, if it's good, if it's a complete movie, if it's got a beginning, a middle and an end, somebody will distribute it. Right. Are you going to make any money? You know, that's that's <laughs> another story. <laughs> you got some like uh, maybe maybe not because there's a lot of there's a lot of content especially now with the pandemic. There's this huge hunger and desire and need for content. Mm-hmm. And it is easier now to get your stuff out there, but the question is, you know, is it being monetized? Are you making any money on it? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's different for everybody. You know, that's really where the ma- the business element like understanding how to do that cuz it's never been easier to make the content. Whereas right. when we were kind of getting started, you were just like, "Oh, someone going to hire me? Like, what's the thing?" And now you can yeah. just make the thing. Yeah. But do you understand the business side of it to where now you can deliver the thing? Mm-hmm. You know, know how to conduct business, know what a good deal looks like, mm-hmm. and you know, work with the right sales agent, work with the right distributors, you know, work with the right people to actually get your stuff out there, and you know, make a little money, make a living at it. Yeah. Yeah. So valid yeah. points. I love yeah. all that yeah. because. You, uh, well, that's what we're doing right here. It's yeah. like, you know, nobody's saying you can't just 
take your phone, buy a mic or two, and yeah. get your computer. I mean, it's all portable. You can do anything right. and create the content like you're saying. But I think that, that you working in the, um, the events marketing, yeah. the commercial world yeah. and the industrial world, yeah. that kind of does teach you a little bit about rates too. Right. Right. It just it 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 um, you know being out being out in L.A. when we were out in L.A. You know, it wasn't as easy to make it. Yeah. Ha- make your own stuff. Make you know podcasts right. was right. podcasting was kind of maybe in its real infant stages. You know, and it was on the radio and it was mm. called talk radio. Yeah. <laughs> and you had a talk radio show. <laughs> Whereas now everybody can have their own talk radio show thanks to podcasting and build and the ability to stream things. We have opportunities now that we didn't have when we were, you know, out in Los Angeles. So now that thing that you're chasing out there, you can do it anywhere. Right. Right. So do it where you're happy. Do it where you love it. And do it where you're just, you feel the people you're with. Yeah. Because that's what's going to, whatever you're building, whatever you're making, that's Mm -hmm. how you're going to grow it, Mm -hmm. is surrounding yourself with people that believe in you. Right. Right. Because, you know, there are going to be times when you don't believe in yourself, but you're going to look at your circle and you're going to go, how many yes people do I have around me? Yeah. And if you're not surrounded by yes people and oh. not, in a, not in a, you know, toxic, codependent way where people are just saying yes to you because they want something from you. Right. People that are right. good, people that are like-minded, maybe they're in other industries that just believe in you and what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, with my experience in, you know, the event space and being on the road and working with different agencies and working on the backside of experiential marketing, which I always tell people, and you know this from having worked in events, yeah. it's an extension of the entertainment industry. Oh, for like, totally. For talent, for totally. actors, for musicians, it is a like lifeline. Like that <laughs> work when you're not doing commercial work or film work or you're not you know, booking music gigs, that stuff is the bread. Right, you know, and yep. and, it, and it saves you. And so, having worked in that industry and having worked on kind of behind the scenes, it's very similar to film, television, and commercial. You know, it's just instead yeah. of producing an event, you're producing a piece of content, <laughs> and you realize there are a lot of like interchangeable parts hmm. with that. And sometimes it's like the mirroring of the two industries. You're like, well, this is kind of weird. But having worked in that industry for a long time on both sides, it's kind of allowed me to given me um, the know-how to just kind of better navigate the, you know, film, television, commercial industry to where, you know, you feel more comfortable on set having done that. And so uh, understanding rates, understanding how to, to just deal with, you know, clients directly and not expecting, you know, casting directors or agents, you know, to get you work. Sometimes you have to do it directly. And when you're dealing with a brand that typically has, you know, maybe two or three, agencies below them kind of deciding who's getting what and then you come to the table and they just go this is what you're worth (laughs) now when you're working directly with a brand if you haven't done that before if you don't understand like how like all the padding of money Mm -hmm. you know when it comes to budgets and stuff like that like you're gonna you know historically people just go low because they're afraid they've got this like immigrant mindset where they're not gonna get another thing I'll never right. have another opportunity. So right. I'll do it for chips. Just give me chips. I'll do it for crafty. I just want crafty and, a, and some trade for copy. Co- just give me the copy. I just want the prints. What do you want? You want me to get it's naked? Fine. I'll get naked. I'll get naked. I'll, I'll just it. get naked, I'll okay? All I want is a koozie. I want a koozie, a t-shirt, and some pickle chips. 
Where are my pickle chips? <laughs> you told me I was getting pickle chips and I took my clothes off and that production assistant was drooling. I saw it with my own two eyes. I'm on to her. I think she ate my pickle chips. Right. <laughs> right. Anyway. <laughs> digress. Digress. I digress. This, this leads me into yeah. another... <laughs> this leads me into um, a question I had yes. um, about uh, your experience now uh, working on your Christmas film. Oh, yeah. So yeah. tell me about that experience. Uh, so I did a movie a couple years ago called Christmas at the Chateau, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I think, still on. It's on Showtime. So we uh, signed a deal with Showtime, so that was really exciting. Tiny little Christmas movie. We made it in St. Joe, Missouri, and it uh, was really... It was the universe, man. Like, if there... If you have any doubts for your listeners out there, if there are any doubts in your mind that there's not some sort of like higher power <laughs> out there, whatever you want to call it, you know, name it, whatever you want to name it. But there is an energy and there's a God energy hmm. out there. And this God energy, when you're in alignment with it, and sometimes you might be totally out of alignment yourself with yourself, but you're in alignment with the God energy. Yeah. And yeah. it's being aware of like signs and symbolism and stuff like that. And I feel like there's certain things in your life that are just destined to happen. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, all things happen for a reason. And and I just it was a series of events. So I had, you know, one particular commercial campaign that I did in town with Bolin uh, advertising agency and it was for the Minneapolis Area Association of Realtors, MAR. Mm-hmm. And it uh, was a really fun campaign, really fun uh, videos, commercials. And they were, I had one of them on my reel, my acting reel. And my agent down in Kansas City had my reel up on their website, which is pretty common practice. And there's a director in Kansas City or the Kansas City area, specifically St. Joe, Missouri, Jason Hudson, who was just looking, he's getting ready to make a feature film. I have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> We're two totally like life paths. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's looking at talent one day on the agency website and he finds my reel and he just mess he like loved this one particular commercial that I had done for Minneapolis Area Association of Realtors. And specifically reached out to me, told me that. It was like, oh, I saw this, saw you real really like this spot. Hey, I'm, you know, making this movie and I thought it was a total quacky scam. <laughs> like this guy is is trying to make a, a movie with his parents VHS recorder. Yeah. <laughs> and he's gonna pay me a lollipops and cracker jacks. And uh, it was so far from the truth. I mean we made the movie on on a really skinny shoestring budget. Mm. But I ended up getting cast and, uh, you know, kind of went through the grapevine of, you know, auditioning and whatnot and um, had some great conversations with him, got cast. And that was my first lead role in a feature film. Wow. And uh, kind of sight unseen, you know, really just went off the reel, had some conversations with him on the phone. And the last conversation I had with him, that was my audition. And I asked him, I go, am I auditioning for this thing? He goes, you just did. And I was like, okay. All right. He goes, you're cast. And I was like, all right. Wow. And so uh, and went to St. Joe. a huge project. It, I mean, was a, it was a, it was, yeah, we really, the follow-up. the follow-up was great. Because when yeah. we were making it, it was, I, I was embraced by St. Joe. I remember showing up at MCI, Kansas City Airport. Yeah. 
And uh, Jason Hudson picked me up and just, I mean, such a great guy, great energy, amazing dude, one of my dear friends. But I, you know, I, this is like all firsts. It was just a series of firsts. And, you know, as a fellow Sagittarian, you were like, we thrive on these yeah. moments. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't oh, know yeah. what's going on, <laughs> but I'm going, I'm going head first. <laughs> and so we just, we just, that's what we did. And I was going through kind of a hard time. I just gotten, I, you know, gone through this, I was going through this breakup and, um, which for me, like really just kind of shook me because I hadn't experienced the vulnerability of like this particular shade of breakup. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I was like, wasn't sleeping and I was depressed and, and then all of a sudden like, oh, I'm making a movie. And so I there and, you know, I had like a bottle of sleeping pills that I was like, I these better get me through this shoot. (laughs) 12 tablets Ambien. Which I didn't know the top had popped up in popped off in my backpack and it had ground down into like a fine dust oh. of all the things. Oh no. So I had ambient dust in my bag. And the first night I was <laughs> Joe, I was licking my bag I couldn't sleep. I was I was like, I can't sleep. And I remember sticking my hand Having a meltdown because my ambient was gone. That's fantastic. Because I was yeah. convinced I couldn't naturally sleep. And so, yeah, we, we went out, we shot the film. It was incredible. The town was amazing. I mean, I have lifelong friends because of this project. And it was, you know, through social media, which I would say to anybody. I mean, we now know how important social media is. Yeah. But, like, it's like you you can get work through social media. Oh, so don't yeah, be an can. idiot. Don't be an idiot. The internet like, won. <laughs> it's like you're not like screw that. It's like right. you know people are like well get out of the way, man, because it's right. it's the best tool out there. It is the best it. tool, and it, you just have to know how to kind of navigate it, and then just you know hope for the best. I wasn't searching for it; it found me. Yeah, and I was very thankful that this project found me, and uh, worked out. And then we just uh, made another film uh, this summer called Homemade Heritage. Mm-hmm. And so uh, some returning talent from the last film on that, myself included. And, I, you know, I never would have thought that. I remember when he reached out, I, I really thought that I thought it was a scam. I'm like, oh, this is not going to go anywhere. And and I but I had a feeling after talking to the director, I just knew with yeah. that, that first conversation with Jason, I knew that we were going to be lifelong friends and working with the guy is is a dream. And so Christmas at the Chateau exceeded our expectations. We were just hoping to get it on Amazon Prime, which it is available on Amazon Prime. You can rent it on there. But getting it on Showtime was we were just totally blown away with with that. So uh, Curb Entertainment, our distributor, thank you very much for making that happen. That's so awesome. Yeah. And I think I have my DVD copy. You have a DVD? Here. I gave you a DVD. I'll have to, we'll take a break and then I'll go. We'll, and yeah, dig we it should. Up. We'll Yo, dig it up. up. <laughs> we'll show you. Bring it out here. Talk about how how much of a dingus I look like on the cover. <laughs> no, dude, you are a I know. True, true artist. I I'm mean, a really... smug, I'm a, just a smug looking oh, baker on that cover. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, we, it's like, you want to, you want to like you, but you also, you're like, I don't know about this guy. He's kind of smug and arrogant. Too. Right, he work, but he works at a bank. Works at a bank, okay. you know, questioning his intentions. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he's going to pull one over on this leading lady. <laughs> Boy, I am not in his ballpark. <laughs> let me tell you what. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. Appreciate you. This has been More Sessions with Justin Jones. The Artist Journey Podcast is a collection of interviews featuring independent artists focusing on their craft, navigating the entertainment industry, and reflecting on the value of artists in our world today. 
If you have a friend or a talent that you think would be great for this podcast, send them our way. We would love to hear their story. If you like the podcast, feel free to make a donation by going to theartistjourneypodcast.com. Is this running? It's running. Oh, it is good. It's good. Okay, good. We're back. We're back. And we're back. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, This is where uh, there's no bullshit. It's all just um, talk about the journey, the experience. The journey, the experience. And that's what's so cool is is your journey. With the journey you're on right now, the journey we're on, it it is unique to you. Yeah. No two people will... I mean, we're experiencing... The same thing right now, but it's totally different yeah. for you and myself based on where we are in life and what we're doing in life. But what's cool is we can come together and, you know, share and great story and great connection. So, well, thanks for, it, man. for being on board, man. Uh, when we uh, last left you here, we were talking about your Christmas movie, Christmas at the Chateau. Christmas at the Chateau. And then uh, the the uh, replug. Homemade heritage. Homemade heritage, yep. yes. And so we talked about that experience for you. Yeah. And now, kind of uh, coming off of that as yeah. like your last, really, it seems to be big, bigger uh, feature film project. Everything, yeah. It's it's the goal. What you know, um, Jason Hudson is you know just he just loves making feel good movies. You yeah. know, and and Christmas at the Chateau. If you've seen it before, um, if you haven't seen it, you'll see it. It's you know you can tell it's. I mean, it's an independent film. You know, we didn't have a lot of money. We, you know, weren't operating on a studio budget, but we put a lot of heart into it and we had a lot of fun making it. And and the cast, you know, 99% of the cast from uh, Kansas City, and they just were incredible. And there's a real beautiful, thriving market down in Kansas City of, of actors and talent and content creators and filmmakers. And so to be a part of that, and I was the transplant uh, coming in, I had no working relationship with anybody, so you know every day was just new connections and um, developing relationships, and so it was really interesting to see that. And so going from that into homemade heritage, the goal was to up the production value. And so uh, after making Christmas at the Chateau, the community of St. Joe, incredible people, beautiful people, uh, a beautiful town. A lot of rich Civil War era history there. Um, you know, Jesse James uh, got shot in St. Joe. You can actually go visit the Jesse James Memorial where the bullet hole's still in the wall. The really? Pony Express yeah. huh. is from uh, St. Joe. That's where it originated. And so a lot of history and uh, just a lot of heart in yeah. the town. And so being there, seeing it firsthand, it's beautiful. Uh, you can produce there on a shoestring. And it's all this rich architect architecture. So for anybody that is looking to make a project, consider St. Joe because it's much easier to make something happen there just because everyone's so willing. Yeah. And so because everyone was so willing, it was a lot easier to make another film. Jason Hudson and company, uh, they've just got a really good thing going. And, and we had some, as we grew the production, we actually brought in some Minnesota talent. Oh, nice. So Jay Ness, uh, Jay Ness, yeah, Jay Ness you know, incredible filmmaker. His uh, his latest film, Dark Cloud, is going to be coming out next year, which uh, I was lucky enough to get a get a part in that. And, yeah, I and hear that's going to be fantastic. It's fantastic. Really? It's looking really good. Looking really good. We're excited about that. So Jay, he actually got cast, and it's his first turn at uh, at acting. Really? And it's in a feature film. So we actually play brothers yeah. <laughs> in Homemade Heritage. Yeah. 
And so that was uh, that was really cool to bring him into the mix because yeah. it was kind of on a whim that he auditioned. I just happened to mention <laughs> to him that we were auditioning for this particular role, and I had some sides that that Jason sent over to me, and uh, and Jay said, "Hey, why don't you? Could I audition?" I was like, "Are you serious?" He's like, "Yeah, send me the sides." No joke. Ten minutes later, sends me a video, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever, I love I've it. ever seen. In my I love life. it because <laughs> he didn't care. He's just like, yeah, he was just being. Natural I mean, he just he, yeah, and and I think sometimes we. When, when you're fixated on something in your mind and you try too hard, it mm. comes off. Mm. But when you really don't take yourself that seriously, even when you're... I mean, it was it's a comedy. It was a very comedic part. So uh, he didn't have to take himself too seriously. And it worked to his advantage because he really just did it, I think, maybe kind of as a joke, but he kind of wanted it. Yeah. And uh, it worked out. It was brilliant. It was great. Uh, the director loved it. And we worked together. It was really cool. Mm. So tell me about his project uh, that you worked on with Dark Cloud. Dark Cloud, yeah. Is uh, did were there other Twin Cities? Yeah, that um, was shot. That was shot. Uh, we shot that partially over in Kenwood. Yeah, kind of close to three ninety four. There, there's a little stretch, like a little parkway of yep. really beautiful million dollar homes. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a and so we area. shot part yeah. there, and then uh, Marine on Saint Croix. Ah. Uh, right on the river there, there's a beautiful little colony community of these really ultra modern Scandinavian white homes everything it's very i've never seen anything like it before you'll see it in the movie yeah the the neighborhood is highly featured in this home the exterior of it is a character in its own right um so we kind of split things up uh but predominantly i mean all of it was shot here i know some stuff was they shot a few scenes in la with alexis gabriel who is the lead yeah yeah and so a little bit of la predominantly shot in minnesota Hmm. And yeah, I mean, it looks incredible. The cast is incredible. Who's uh, all? Amanda Day. I was saying it was Amanda Day. Amanda's in that. it. She just she's knocks so it out of the park. She's oh, so she's good. She's the incredible. Queen. The queen. She has the heart of gold. She is oh, the queen. She is the, she is the queen. The Amanda. <laughs> Amanda, we love you. Love you, Amanda. We love you, Amanda. Love you, Amanda. Yeah. Yeah, we've got, you know, uh, Minnesota cast. Um, We've got Emily Atak, who's a UK uh, personality actor, and so uh, she is the the voice of Ada mm. in the film. And it's it's cool. It's a near future sci-fi um, thriller that mm. deals with artificial intelligence, and I think we do it in a pretty creative way. John John Kaiser Kaiser, I'm sorry, John Kaiser, uh, the writer wrote a beautiful script and uh, I think everybody did just a great job with what they were given and to all the crew like we had the best freaking crew on this film I mean it was just a month of camaraderie and and it just felt good when we were on set it was long it was hard for a lot of people that's what she said myself included that's what she said she said it (laughs) she said it I said it because she said it I will Stores say, like, now, Anna, but... uh, Anna Strands. Oh, yeah. She's she's in the film. She's incredible. And then we've got a lot of uh, other Minnesota actors that have smaller parts that are just in, just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Toussaint. Oh, it's Toussaint's in it. Toussaint. Freaking Toussaint. He's the bomb. He's the bomb.org, the bomb.com, bomb.gov, bomb.tv. That guy is so socially involved too yeah. in, in what's Incredible. happening here. And what's happening in the current uh, state. Yeah, his voice is powerful. Mm-hmm. He's a perfect person for what he's doing. And I, you know, couldn't be like just more proud of 
like him and what he's doing and everybody involved in in um, just the multiple projects that he's got his hands on and that he's involved with and just our state coming together. I think that, you know, the city of Minneapolis, the city of St. Paul, uh, there's just a lot of great people that are, are standing up for for all the, uh, you know, just the, just years and years and years and years of, of you know, oppression and various degrees of suppression and just a lot of like unnecessary pressure, mm. you know, that people don't need to be exposed to. And uh, yeah, so with all the events that have transpired with this, you know, civil unrest and this uprising that has occurred, there is a great deal of truth that has come to surface. And it's, you know, like as Jack Nicholson said, and a few good men, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> You know, is that what that was? That's a few good men, right? Yeah, yeah. I love, I love because we can't handle the truth, and it's a lot, yeah. and we're having to process the truth right now. And being in quarantine, it is, it has forced us all hmm. to expose ourselves to ourselves. Like yeah. we, for once, have to like deal with our shit. Yeah. And so, collectively as communities, we're having to deal with our shit, and it sucks. Because, you know, as we're having to constructively face all these different social issues, societal issues, you know, community-focused issues, we're having to really kind of, like, check ourselves, you know, check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Like, check it's just years. Yeah, check yourself. Before yourself. you wreck yourself. <laughs> but it's years and years of, of us just you know, avoiding our own truth, like avoiding what's going on. And now we're having yeah. to like look inside. And I think that's the secret to a lot of, you know, what we're dealing with, like all the answers out there really kind of lie within us and, and finding our truth and finding our, our answers, you know, whatever the question is that, you know, whatever it is that we're trying to figure out about ourselves, like take the time, do the work, go get therapy, talk to a friend, yeah. partake in this festive art of podcasting enchantment. <laughs> It's so true. Though, and see what it? comes to surface. And see what yeah. comes to, because now is the time to talk. Yeah. And I feel like, as as hard as twenty twenty has been with yeah. all of the political stuff, the social unrest, yeah. all of these hard hard yeah. topics, like yeah. looking in the mirror, and right. and that's what we're learning right now. It's like we have to, as a society, as a and he as, has a mirror, right? And there's I do a have, mirror. And there's right a mirror right here. Right looking, so like, looking at myself. At, oh my God, wait, where did I go? I can't I see that, myself. I got that zit there. Yeah, and I it's got that, unfortunate. You know, so it's yeah. like looking at at life for what it actually right. is and instead of hiding behind right. talking about it no no let's yeah. address the issues let's talk you know i think it's it's interesting too because You're seeing a level of bravery like i think uh we we have never seen this level of bravery where yeah. people are now stepping in mm -hmm. to the pocket and declaring what they need to declare saying what they need to say and and speaking whatever it is you know they need to speak in terms of whatever the truth is you right. know if it's right. you know this is this is what I believe this is what I think and this is why you don't have to agree with me but this is what it is yeah. and there's there is obviously going to be a uh, opposition mm -hmm. anytime you stand bravely. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I feel like the more opposition you're faced with, it's usually, you know, you're doing the right thing or, you know, maybe you're doing the wrong thing. But most of the time you're probably doing the right thing. It just doesn't feel like it, it might not seem like that yeah. in the moment. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the, the real stuff, you know, takes on the most fire. Mm -hmm. 
How do you think, um, given like the circumstances of 2020, um, politically, socially, yeah. how do you think that is reflected in art now or reflected with entertainment in the way that we approach entertainment? Um, do you think, I mean, do you think that there's going to be like a, a, a handful of, you know, projects about, you know, Black Lives Matter right, or, right. or COVID, uh, right. you know, things like that. Or do you think that that has, even in your... Well, there's a film that just was released, Black in Minneapolis. Yeah. Which Tucson is in and they... They won a bunch of awards they, yeah, for this, I think they? so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but it is streaming. It's, it's got a bunch of Minneapolis talent. Um, yeah. And that's kind of about what's happening. It, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, City, they right? filmed it, I think, a couple of years ago. I don't know much about it. Yeah. Uh, but I did see on social media that that got distribution and it's out. You can stream it. Mm-hmm. So I would say go and, and, and see that. But, w- w- like, how crazy. And that was filmed before they knew, the George Floyd Yeah, they, Floyd before thing. the George yeah. Floyd thing. Yeah. And, and the opportunity just kind of happened. You know, it's interesting. I Because yeah. I was in Uptown yeah. the other day. I had to go to the studio. Yeah. And my studio is right down there yeah. where, where on that corner where jo- the George yeah. Floyd case happened. And every yeah. time I, I drive past there, I'm just like, it's really interesting being here in the Twin Cities yeah. in this time to right, right now. Right. Because you can see when you go to Uptown, the devastation... Yeah. Uh, everything's boarded up, right. and, and that's all over the right. Twin Cities and right. in other, right. uh, you know, t- uh, cities too. Right. But that—that that was such an epic piece of what 2020, what right. people will remember this, right. this year for, and and so many different like little caveats and little slivers of it. Like it, we, I think we all are masters of compartmentalization, and so yeah. it's kind of a different thing in terms of what it means yeah. to people. Like it was either a total dumpster fire. Yeah. <laughs> And like you don't get the you know you don't see the messaging in it you don't see you know the the pearls of truth and wisdom that came from you know what occurred because it's so multifaceted there's so many layers and and uh, petals to it and I think people like to just pluck one and focus on that and go you know this is why it was wrong or this is why it was right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know it's uh it's it's so multifaceted that you know it, it no one person i think can really fully grasp mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. how interconnected it is because the tentacles of of you know what led up mm-hmm. to that the the george floyd incident mm-hmm. and then the uh uh kind of explosion that that occurred to the eruption i should say is probably mm-hmm. a less aggressive word the eruption mm-hmm. of you know just like you said unrest you mm-hmm. know social unrest civil unrest um societal unrest uh you know just race unrest feeling tired feeling you know but then feeling like tireless you know or you just something sparks you and people got sparked people got triggered you know, yeah, there were some opportunistic things that happened that, you know, weren't really affili- affiliated with any sort of positive movement. Mm-hmm. You know, people just looking to kind of, you know, stir the ship hot up and uh, take advantage of an opportunistic situation to, you know, wreak havoc and terror. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that we're heading in the right direction. I think that there's a lot of a lot of beauty kind of taking it back to um, art and uh you know being creative and creating content i think you're going to see you know stories that you know just have been waiting to be told that are going to be told by the right people that were uh, influenced by what's happened in 2020 whether it's the pandemic whether it's the 
you know, crimes against nature, the crimes against mankind. You're just, there's so much that's happened in this year. It's it's a decade mm -hmm. crammed into a year when you look at yeah. the wildfires. I mean, the world yeah, was the on fires. fire. Australia oh, was I on fire. We fires. almost lost koalas. And then there was killer bees. <laughs> right. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> murder wasps. <laughs> there were murder wasps. Right. We almost lost koalas. There were murder wasps. Australia was on fire. The Amazon was on fire. <laughs> Coronavirus was released in Wuhan, China. Just want to jump into the ocean. I mean, seriously, yeah. like, let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about <laughs> those core nuclear reactors melting down mm -hmm. in Japan and all that water just kind of migrating its way. And we're just plucking little shrimps out, just like, hey, get, put another shrimp on the barbie. Tee up some more tilapia. <laughs> I'll have another, another cut of your finest Atlantic salmon. There's a new artist journey for the 21st century, and now is the best time ever to be in the entertainment business. Because in the new entertainment business, the artist is finally the one in charge. The Artist Journey Podcast is a collection of interviews that feature independent artists discussing their craft, navigating the entertainment industry, and reflecting on the value of artists in our world today. Helping you navigate the entertainment industry, here's Justin Jones on the Artist's Journey podcast. You know, kind of just jumping around a little bit, but yeah, there's just so, there's just a lot that's happened this year that it, it the, the, it's the catalyst hmm. For who knows what. We have no idea. We just kind of got to be patient, let things play out. I think there's some really great things. I think the next few years, uh, you're going to see it, but over the next decade, the next couple of decades, the next you know 100 years, what's happened this year has mm -hmm. totally changed the way we all live yeah. and the way we all do business. And if you're complacent, or if I'm not compla complacent, yeah, yeah. you are dying on the vine. Through all of this. I agreed. Yeah. You have to be proactive. You have to stay, yeah. you have to, you know, as Bruce Lee said, be water, you know, be water. Yeah. You, and be fluid and be aqueous and just be flexible. That's, I think, the most important thing. And if you feel emboldened by something, if you feel heated up about something, like, do it. Mm -hmm. You know, do mm -hmm. it. Whatever that is. Mm -hmm. If something's calling out to you and something's irking you and pushing you and you're feeling that fire on the inside, mm -hmm. you know, just do it. Yeah. 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 Cause it seems like in the first few months, yeah. everybody was like, Oh, I'm just ready for this thing to get back to normal, right. get right. back to normal. Right. But we started realizing that there is no going back to normal. There's no like, going back to normal. We're We're, yeah. Back. No, there's no it's, going back. You know, and it's, 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 I think if, if you can accept yourself, it's a lot easier to accept all this. So if you can just accept your circumstances, and go, I have a roof over my head. Maybe I don't have a roof over my head. Maybe I'm living in my car. Maybe I'm living in a trailer. Maybe I'm living at a friend's house or my parents' house, wherever that is. You are living somewhere. Even if you're homeless, you're not homeless. Because yeah. the, you, the home is where the head is. So like wherever your head is, is where the home is. Because you can be in a home, but not feel like you're home. Like I've stayed in a lot of hotels and I never felt like I was at home Yeah. yeah. because my head was somewhere else. My head was at home. You know, yeah. my mind was in another place. So wherever you feel your best, 
which just that comes from acceptance. So if you can just accept who you are, where you are, and just mm-hmm. be thankful that you're freaking alive. Yeah. You know, suicide rates are up. People are feeling it. And 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 this virus is is fatal. People's lives have been cut short because of how, you know, politically political powers have have run this thing because it is kind of a horse and pony show. There is a front side to the pandemic and how it's handled. Mm-hmm. And then there's the back side, which is how it's really handled and how it really should be handled. And because there's been this disconnect, people's lives have been cut short. And and the psychological ramifications, the psychological implications of, you know, being immersed in a worldwide pandemic, having industries come to a screeching halt. We know, you know, being in the uh, production industry, being in film and commercial and the events industry is like non-existent. Everything's virtual. Mm-hmm. You know, most of my work just dried up and I was depressed and, and uh, you know, I was almost that statistic. I was almost a statistic. I called the suicide prevention hotline because I got pushed to my limit with all the things that were going on because I felt worthless because I put all my value into a job because I put all my value into what I was doing when none of those things matter. They're all external. Like coming to peace with yourself is where your true value is. That's where the true success is. That's where your greatest assets are. That's where all the money in the world can't get you to that place. You have access to that place. You could spend a million dollars and still not get the key to unlock the safe that has all that emotional feel-good soul currency. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's and, so brilliant. Right? Yes. That soul currency that yeah. we have that we just give out. We're like, just I'll make, I'll make you feel good. I want it. Whatever I got to do to make you happy. Yeah. Just giving away our soul currency yeah. when that stuff, that's yours. Like, hold on to that. Grow it. Um, foster it. Take care of it. Nurture it. Uh, because when when it's gone, like it, you just run, you you run out of it, and you just feel empty. And so I wasn't, you know, making deposits into my emotional currency account, and so I felt pretty low. And you know, I wanted to, you know, I thought ending things was the best way to to get out of this feeling of emptiness. So there are other people that have that have fallen into this this, you know, kind of just feels like a pit of despair and. The mind, because our minds are obsessed with answers, mm-hmm. the the mind. What what happens sometimes is you get caught into these these. Uh, it's it's like a it's like a vortex, you know, where you're trying to figure something out, and the brain spins and it spins and it spins and it spins, and it almost becomes a revolving door of insanity because you're <laughs> trying to find something that's not there, but you're like, it's there. No, you already looked. Yeah, and you're still cycling back around trying to find the answer to this quagmire of a situation that we're all in. Yeah. Because as we've had to slow down, we've been forced to unpack all of our shit <laughs> mentally. Yeah. And so yeah. you're like, wait, you know, who am I? What am I? What do I even want? Like, what do I care about? Who do I love? Do I love myself? What am I worth? What is my worth? Yeah. And so we, I think a lot of us have realized we, our worth was in the stuff that we did and the things that we touch and the experiences Mm. that we have and the jobs that we hold or maybe don't hold or want to hold or whatever. Yeah. And this stuff all just kind of gets stripped away for a little bit. You're like, wait, whoa, 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 what? Who am I? What am I doing? (laughs) 
oh shit, I gotta like lean into myself right now and have a conversation. And yeah. then, you know, it's just like figuring, like we all kind of had to like build back up mm-hmm. from level one, or, like yeah. ground zero, emotionally and mentally, which is kind of the beautiful thing of what we're going through is that, you know, I know for us, we've leaned into each other, mm. you know. As buddies. As, as buddies, yeah. as homies, for sure. And that's true. I mean, yeah. you're, you're one of the, in my opinion, uh, not only the best uh, creative artists in the Twin Cities uh, that I know, but also one of the best friends I know. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to leave you with one last question. Is yeah, that yeah, cool? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so am before, I going to take the question and then... Well, that's... that's where, it? Okay. I just... Because <laughs> we were talking about this a little bit before. I'm going to give I'm you just, an I'm enema. Just, I'm just going to... question. The you're going to place it. It's an anal suppository question. <laughs> you're going to let it sit for 48 hours. And then when the answer emerges, you'll then take question out of your anus... <laughs> And then uh, put it in a meat grinder and make a patty out of it and throw it on the grill. It's the 4th of July! Oh my god. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic. I love it. Vamping. Should we go to, to break? No, no. No, no. There's no time. There's no time. There's another shot. shot. Okay. Okay. All right. So before we... Uh, and what is the name of this again? This, okay. This delicious Minnesota-made small batch vodka. Yeah. Uh, and it's got this Nordic Viking man. Scalavin. It's Scalavine. the legend of Scalavine. Scalavine. Say his name four times in the mirror. Scalavine. 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 It's handcrafted. <laughs> I will make you hurt. <laughs> so one question. Yeah, so one question. Yeah. One last question. Yeah. Okay, because you were here yeah. uh, living in this time uh, during the George Floyd case, yeah. Yeah. Black Lives, yeah. Black Lives uh, Matter. Matter. Yeah. Um, I'm over in St. Paul, which yeah. is where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. But you were really in the heart of it there in Uptown. Yeah. Um, and I just want to talk about your experience during that first few days after, like, when once all the, the peace protesting started happening at yeah. the 3rd Precinct and the riots broke out um, across the, the Twin Cities right. and th- they were burning the city to the right. ground. Yeah. What What was that experience for you? I mean, were you in Uptown? I was that? in it. I was in it. So it was, it was interesting. Uh, I was living alone at the time. And yeah, I was living in this, you know, seven years in this carriage house kind of garage studio situation by myself. And so I had my dog, my puppy, which I'd only, I'd only had him for a few months. And so... It was great having a little companion, but also like this dog was like freaking out all the time because oh, Howie, helicopter, yeah. Howie's freaking out. There's yeah. helicopters. Ugh. Just in my, you know, everybody was on edge. You mm-hmm. know, it was all just a lot of overreaction is what I got from yeah. it. So yeah. uh, we had a neighborhood watch, all the homeowners on my block, a few renters, mostly homeowners. I got invited to this neighborhood watch. I remember it was like, Wednesday night or Thursday night of that week, everything was, you know, the George Floyd incident, and then all these riots and and uh, just like little explosions of civil <laughs> unrest were popping up around the city, and mm-hmm. you know, you, I remember somebody mentioning like Antifa, Antifa, oh, it's Antifa's in town, the Proud Boys are in town, you know, or like. Hmm. Just all these extremist groups, whether sure. it was like more on the you know liberal progressive side or the more conservative side, yeah, yeah. and huh. yeah, we we had this neighborhood watch meeting and everybody was you know on duty, you know, talking about. Remember, there was one of my neighbors had, 
you know, they're like, well, I've got buckets of water. I'm like, well, good luck fighting people off with water. I mean, we thought it was like preparing for a zombie apocalypse. Oh, like yeah, one, yeah. I remember one of my neighbors, you know, he's, he goes, I got two shotguns. I'm like, what? He goes, I'm going to be on duty on the front porch with shotguns. Because we just all were expecting the absolute worst. Yeah. And I know some people experienced it. You know, mm-hmm. some people experienced it firsthand. We didn't. Hmm. I know we had some strays. We were on like a neighborhood watch app for, you know, a few nights and people were taking shifts. Uh, I didn't really sleep. I was on duty, but we all kind of, it it was very insightful and very enlightening. You know, the block I was on predominantly Caucasian. And so I felt like everybody was just Mm kind of heightening each other's anxiety. Like, who's going to show up? (laughs) We're freaking ninjas. (laughs) Freaking ninjas protesting civil unrest are going to pop out of the trees. We got to be ready. And I heard they're gay. Gay ninjas dressed in black. Probably artists. Probably artists. Ah, this is this is brought to you by Second City. This is just a bunch of improvisers. Okay. Out of work actors. They're yeah. dangerous. Yeah. This is what happens when you don't feed the actors. Right. And so it was, no, seriously, though, like, it, everybody was just doing their best, you know, but it was, it was, it was uneasy. It was, it yeah. felt dangerous, you know, and I had friends that were, um, was it the third precinct? Is that the one that's over by Wells Fargo? Over uh, there in the... The one here, yeah. Oh, it's a Longfellow area. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So I didn't, it was over yeah. closer over by uh, like Lake Street, Kmart. Yeah. Wells Fargo. Yeah. I know they they kind of went after that one. There was a peaceful protest out there, a lot of people gathering, and then when the curfews hit, you know, people start, you know, really kind of taking advantage of the situation. You torch a car, you start throwing bricks, you bust some windows. You know, I think there is some beautiful messaging that came through. It obviously got a lot of people's attention. You know, a lot of these businesses had insurance. A lot of these businesses were covered, but a lot of these businesses weren't. And a lot of these businesses were hurt. Mm-hmm. And and people were indirectly hurt. And so it's, you know, I don't think we need to get into it, but it is a conversation that, you know, maybe for another time, you know, deserves you know, the energy put into it. But I'll just tell you firsthand, like we were scared, but I kind of look at it and I go, what for, you know, like why were we were scared for our own lives when, you know, there was a bigger message that was being mm-hmm. uh, called out to all of us in the event of it. And it was nasty and it was messy and it was messy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, walking along, I just saw Lake Street, but seeing firsthand the morning after that big surge came yeah. Plowing into Uptown yep. uh, on Lake Street and that Lake and Lindale area. Lake and Lindale, I remember it was like two in the morning. I got a wild hair up my ass and I decided, I just went, I'm going to get in my car and just go out there and just drive around. And I, you know, like Mad Max, grabbed a hatchet hatchet in my car because you never know when you're going to need a hatchet when are you going to need a well you need to chop down a tree you need right. to chop down a dude right. you never There's, know I mean it's the best way to de-escalate a carjacking is with a hatchet <laughs> <laughs> oh you have a gun I'm going to cut Guess your what? bullet in half yeah <laughs> as you try to commandeer my vehicle at gunpoint so I you know it just I was I kind of jokingly just did it, but yeah, I drove around and saw it firsthand and I saw people, you know, throwing bricks through windows and busting out 
glass at public transportation stations and lighting, uh, you know, pubs on fire and buildings on fire. And it was just anarchy, you know, to a certain degree. I mean, there were people out there fighting the good fight. And then there were people out there just wanting to mess shit up because it was an opportunity to just act it out. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever the impulse is. So, you know, I'm not saying it was, you know, right or wrong. It happened. Mm -hmm. And so things are different. That area is different. They're sit everywhere is different because of that, because it happened nationally, because it's happening happening globally. We just have to treat each other better. We have to treat ourselves better. We have to just take better care of ourselves mm -hmm. and not be so focused on like what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. Yeah. You know, like, I, I'm, like, when you're good, like, it's, like, maybe your problems can be kind of my problems, and maybe my problems can but kind of be your problems, and maybe our problems aren't really even problems. Yeah. Because we're all just way too overwhelmed with worry. Yeah. Because we're just worried. Because we're just looking for somebody to say, hey, it's okay. You're okay. Yeah. And that's what we can provide for each other. The government's never going to effectively do it. Right. You know? Cities aren't going to effectively do it. They might say it, but how we're going to do it is together. So lean into your family, lean into your friends, lean into yourself, because it's going to be okay. That's so true. It's it's really about this. Just yeah, it's connect, about this. It's, it's yeah. connecting. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, sharing stories. It's um, yeah. It's really just realizing that you're not the only one going through this. Right. <laughs> like, right. Like it's so it can be so isolating. Right. And we're kind of in, I don't know if you feel this way, but a culture where it are, we can feel because of media, because right. of all these things, that we are the only one going through it and the rest of the world hasn't figured it out. Well, not true. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're all trying to figure it out. Uh, our, our cognitive, emotional spectrum, what we feel is the same. We all feel the same things. How we feel it is what's unique to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, how you feel sadness and how I feel sadness, you know, that's, you know, people will say sometimes, like, oh, you ain't sad, boy. You don't know what sadness is like. I know what sadness <laughs> is like. You know, whatever that specific thing is that that person has experienced that makes their sadness trump, and it trumps your sadness. Well, no, it's all, sadness is sadness. Like, yeah. you have to honor and respect however somebody feels something. If somebody says they're happy, sad, glad, or mad... Mm. You just have to respect that and go, that's good enough. Mm -hmm. Like, that's good enough. That's mm -hmm. just as good as when I feel my worst and you feel your worst. I'm no better or no different than you having felt whatever I felt. Because yeah. that's unique to me. I don't expect anybody to think or feel how I think or feel because that's what's unique to me. Right. But we can right. find a common thread and we can say, hey, we agree with each other. I respect you. Or, hey, I disagree with you. But I still respect you, because I respect when you're happy, sad, glad, or mad. I, 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 I might think, well, based on your story, based on what you've told me, that's not anywhere near what I've experienced, but it doesn't need to be, because mm -hmm. it's all the same. We're all the same. Compatico. Yeah. Yeah. Compatico. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boss. Well, I'm going to let we you... We appreciate you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Thank you so much to my yeah. guest, it Justin was good. Jones, I, we like talked about so many great oh! things. I love being on here. I'll just oh. say this. If you've made it this far, you are a saint. Congratulations. <laughs> 
We'll be sending you a lifetime supply of Modelo. Modelo. Brought to you by Modelo. That's right. For all of your special needs. A special needs. But you will be buying your lifetime supply. You will supply. be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we're not we don't have this. money yet. We're not, uh, you know, we're looking for sponsors. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, if Currently you cash negative, but would like to be cash positive. Yeah, if you give us money, we could buy more Modelo, and then right. they, could, they could sponsor us. Right, so. but enjoy but <laughs> enjoy yourself. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. And, uh, yeah. Scalavine. Scalavine. Four times. Scalavine. 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 There we go. Scalavine. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for joining us this week on the Artist Journey Podcast. This week, we interviewed Justin Jones, experiential marketing manager, social media influencer, actor, and all-around goofball. Thanks for listening in, and we'll catch you guys next time on the Artist's Journey Podcast podcast.